0: In a, you have to go do your exam basically in a, a another country where it's allowed to do it. I think something like that, which I presume means Scotland. I don't really know. Welcome to Game of Nodes,
1: a weekly podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams.
0: Hello, welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams with a little. Uh, I don't know how I didn't spot exactly when you rugged me there. So uh presumably a little little bit of an anti monarchist diatribe there involving um <laughs> medical exams being re- rescheduled. So I read about in this week's Private Eye, which is if you are British a magazine you should subscribe to. Um so yes. Uh yeah, now I was reading all about it in Private Eye, reading about all of the uh the costs associated with the uh, with the royal Burial, whatever it's called. And um is that what it's called? <laughs> fucking guys, yeah, <it's> really. Um, <laughs> the Royal and, Burial. It, yeah, they, you know. they, did, they did exactly the same thing
2: here. They just rugged us with a fucking public holiday. And they put it on a Thursday. So everyone took off Friday as well. So everything's fucked. Oh, like, yeah, Larry yeah, is here. He's showed up. All right. Hey. He, oh. Add <laughs> him in. That was uh...
1: <laughs> just in, in, Sorry, the nick,
0: mate. in the nick of time, in the nick of time. Yeah. uh right sorry hey, man i looked
2: at the,
0: the thumbnail and i was like yeah, what's the right. sheet yeah. no, I it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hide the kfz bag <laughs> uh welcome larry so i was at the other two were just like i oh, you've, you've not sent a link have you you fucked up something this is this is this is on you i was like i'm pretty sure i was actually organized this time squared away things ahead ahead of time all perfection um, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome. Sorry you missed the pre-show shit talk and chit chat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, pulling us out of the fire of having to come up with a, a, a new topic on the fly. So thanks very much for actually for actually coming. Um, Which, to so, be fair,
2: is it's not very difficult for us to eventually just end up talking for two hours anyway. Oh, he's, yeah. Might have. Do you have sketchy internet, Larry?
0: No. Looks good. No, I think it might be you in Kangaroo Town.
2: Yeah, probably. I'm in Mel- Melbourne and I've got a I've got to uh tether to my phone because the internet here doesn't seem to work. So, thanks partner. You've got so shit internet.
0: What you're telling us is that when you were in the actual outback, you could do the podcast from a hut in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating by the way to listeners of the podcast. This is we have reasonably good geographical understanding without doxing Null of where he is at any given time. He, he, he has a tracking beacon on him. The rest of the game the nose team. We just follow him. We just see it on a world map which bit of Australia he's in. Um, so he was... If you've ever seen the film Crocodile Dundee, basically Null has been on walkabout, which is it's obviously a completely factual thing that happened in Australia. Uh, so... But, okay, this is got a bit racist. But anyway, so, so run- so
2: last week I was literally in the middle of fucking nowhere in a caravan. And, uh, With and good internet. had great internet. Thanks. Elon. Um, I've got the, the Starlink hanging off the side of my caravan. And, um, yeah, like, you know, I'm sitting on 250 megabits up and down and now I'm in Melbourne in, uh, you know, in the city and the fucking internet doesn't work. I'm on my, I'm tethering off my mobile. So it's, it's a little bit in and
0: out. Devastating stuff. So, um, we obviously are validated podcast and I get that you, you are the other, t- the other two of you on the panel today are going to be like, why do you keep inviting cosmosm devs to come <laughs> on talk? But Larry <laughs> does validate Osmo, right? So we, we are, we are well within the remit of, of a validator <laughs> podcast on this guest choice. So, um, well, maybe we we'll, maybe we can talk. We can talk some validation stuff later. Um, but so, for those of you that don't know, uh, Larry does a load of stuff. Um, actually, to be fair, where where do you start? Like, obviously, you've got kind of. So, what's your involvement with like Delphi and stuff like that? You work for them, Are you like um, just a contributor, and so because you also you run a validator, do a bunch of Cosmoism stuff. You've just launched uh, an NFT uh, but POAP style project on stargaze, which you know, obviously usurper helps out with stargaze, very interested and involved in that project as well. So I don't know, Usurpa, you might already know more about that than I do. I only saw it with the gov prop the other day. and was like, Oh, isn't that Larry's thing? And then I was read it. and was like, okay, I really need to pay more attention. Um, but good timing to be coming on the show, having just essentially put up a new project on stargaze, which was very exciting. So, um, Yeah, probably rather than me go down your CV and ask you about each individual thing, Larry, do you want to just uh, introduce yourself and like what you work on and how you spend your time?
3: Uh, Yeah, sure. So thanks thanks for having me. Uh, So I'm commonly referred to as Larry Engineer, which is obviously not not the real name, but this is what I go with. Um, So... I am currently working primarily at Delphi, or Delphi, not Delphi actually, but even even our founders pronounce it wrong. So. I, I kind of so assumed you know. it was a
0: pun because like, obviously the Greek would be like Delphi, I yeah. guess, but I assumed it was like Delphi, but like Delphi, but like DeFi.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I thought, but it just, it turns out it just Americans, they, they, don't, they don't. That is, that how is literally
2: how out. I would pronounce it is <laughs> Delphi. Yeah, like Delphi. Okay. Delphi. I don't know, Delphi.
3: It's confusing.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's from uh from Greek, right? It's where the it's where, it's where the oracles were, isn't it? It's like the right, yeah. it, it's the in Greek mythology, it's the Delphi. is like you, 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 yeah. there's all sorts of gods. There was, there was gods and demigods. They climb up there to get like a you know they they've told something horrible is going to happen to them, don't they? By the oracles at <laughs> Delphi. <laughs> yeah,
3: right. So so where was I? Um, I, so I. I'm technically a contractor to to Delphi, so they hired me to do engineering works and I do engineering work for them. Um, and my primary project here is contributing to Mars Protocol. It's a lending protocol. if you If you're new here, we we launched on um, Terra Classic back in March. and it, it went pretty pretty well. We had two hundred million dollars worth of TVL. And and, and until it, everything crashed, and you know, right. Uh, So obviously, we're not going. We're not going to give up everything we've built. So we're taking this as a chain, as an opportunity to basically reimagine how we can build this protocol based on our experience on Terra Classic and everything we've learned about the most these recent new Cosmos technologies. How how we can combine these these experiences and uh, build something new, more exciting, and we we came up with this new what we call an outpost architecture. Um, I guess I shouldn't like distract. I guess this is a validator <laughs> podcast, not a DeFi podcast, but. Um, if you're interested, definitely tune into our presentation at Cosmoverse. This is
2: an everything podcast.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: All
3: right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noel's okay. big into DeFi. He's a massive DJ. <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So Mars Protocol is my um, primary thing. I also run validators on Osmosis and Stargates. So I run validator if I want to, if I really like a project and I want to contribute to it and Validating is just one way for me to contribute, other than building stuff on on top of the project, um, and I can make some money, so why not? <laughs> uh, yeah. So besides, I had a personal side project, the fun project. is a It's called badges. So there's some historical context in this. I, I initially launched badges. Initially called Terra Trophies. So trophies, I've seen you know PlayStation trophies, game video game achievements, right? Uh, as a as a project on Terra Classic, so it was it, called Terra, Terra Trophies. I I launched it right before the last CosmoVerse here in Lisbon, so about a, a year ago. So at the time, nobody knew knew who I am. So I went to CosmoVerse. I tried to. Try to tell people, hey, I have this QR, cool NFT drop. Can you scan it, go away, go away. <laughs> so No, nobody knew me, and I'm I'm not good at business development. and so no, nobody knew knew about that project. It went nowhere, and 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 then Terra collapsed. I kind of forgot forgot about it. Um, so recently, I met a few other people who wants to drop NFTs, and then I remembered, hey, I, I had this thing back last year, so. Uh, I just revived the project and uh, upgraded Cosmosm to the latest version, added some new features, uh, and deployed it on Stargates. So, yeah, that, that is the
0: story. That's pretty exciting. Oh, so obviously, um, Stargates is permission. So, presumably, mm-hmm. at some point, you, uh, how did you did you go purely through the community route, or did you talk to uh, like we've obviously had we obviously know Jorge and. Shane and stuff. We've had both Jorge and Shane on the show uh, and Meow as well, I guess. So we've had all of them on at one time or another. Like, What was the process like for getting that project deployed on Stargaze?
3: Well, for, for my case, I already know the Stargaze team, so we're already friends. So mm-hmm. we, we talked about it. Um, we we, we reviewed the code. We had a session where we just go through the code um and then i just went ahead make the on-chain proposal everybody vote that's pretty straightforward yeah at at, at the same time i also did a few pr to cwnfts and stargates repo because i I don't like their code um yeah
0: yeah i think we've been i I think i saw some of your comments on cwnfts because there's a an ongoing discussion about design <laughs> in on a number of different angles, I think for some of the, uh, yeah. The, yeah. the, the, well, a lot of the CW, um, sort of boilerplate repos, if you like. Um, there's, I don't know. I don't, well, I, I'm quite interested in what you think actually about this, but it's, I think the, the it's kind of interesting where they've got to and like the adoption they've got to i think i surprised somebody that i work with the other day by pointing out that most of that is actually unaudited code and they had assumed that it was you know audited and very canonical and i was sort of like no it's just that they're all just examples i mean they're production ready because they are in production people have used them they've had a lot of eyes on them a lot of people have thought about them but most of them are unaudited at this point and I'm also not convinced that every single one of them is that idiomatic in terms of Rust. It's certainly not that idiomatic in terms of Rust as an ML family language with like pervasive immutability and a lot of those kind of concepts. So it, it, it's, but they're so, they're already quite solidified, you, you know, despite them all being basically alpha software, they're all still quite solidified, I think, in the minds of the maintainers. And as a maintainer, I'm also just like oh well, let's be careful about changing it even if there's some bits that I you know I'm not 100% on so I don't know it's it's quite interesting to think about what how what we might do differently I think on a lot of those uh, a lot of those contracts that are now so widely used you know because a lot of people now depend on them in production right
3: Yeah yeah so I'm a fan of object oriented programming so I personally like the way it is but I, I do have friends who are like functional guys who, who, who absolutely hate it, so I can definitely see both sides. Um, my, my opinion is that the CW seven two one base should be absolutely minimal. So, so currently there are some proposals to introduce some extra features, such as um, you know the the collection level of metadata. I, I think it's I'm not I'm not. A big fan of it, to be honest. Um, I think it should be CW seventy one base should be really minimal. So if if I'm a pro, I'm running a project, I do want to introduce the collection level metadata. I can do it myself. But if I do not want it, I don't think the base contract should force that onto me. Right. So that's just my opinion.
0: Because it. Well, because I guess there's two things there aren't there it's like it I think it's it's not immediately obvious when you look at that code base that the the thing that makes it well the thing it is like like the type of cw seven two one is like the enum, basically the Json part, the interface bit and then yeah, like how you actually go about implementing that is maybe a, a separate thing and like you say you can kind of implement your own extensions to it quite easily as long as you keep that base that base bit.
3: Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. So, if I, if you look at my contribution to the SG seven two one design, so it, it basically uses a pretty typical object oriented inheritance pattern, and I think it's a pretty elegant way of extending contracts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've I, I think I've I've seen that, and it. It is clever, but I, yeah, I, I think we've talked about this online. That I'm kind of the functional programming um, extreme. Yeah. I think if I, what I, w- the way I would be interested in seeing an implement I, if I had the time, I would do this is actually refactor it into a example contract, so like you can see how it's used and actually make what's currently contract functionality just a library like a package. So you'd have like. Base package, blah blah blah, package, blah 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 package, like the various extensions. You can just decide mix and match the functions you want to make up an enum with the right signature. And then the contract is basically just an enum where you say, look, I am telling you that I I am this this enum, which again would be in a, a package, because obviously. So you just you just say, Okay, well, I you can tell from my interface the the contract i'm going to give you as somebody trying to communicate with me this is my contract but how you implement that so long as you return the right thing is completely up to you and you can mix and match which functions you want so that the end result is probably a a a, a contract that's basically one an example contract is basically just like one match statement for the three entry points just saying um mm. cool s cool base execute blah base execute blah base execute blah uh, and that would be it um but you know i don't i don't hate how base is currently implemented like i get that if you like traits and you like essentially having static objects that you know that is fine i spent a lot of time with ruby and rails and you know static objects also very very common in that paradigm too i just think i'm not really smart enough for object-oriented code do you know what i mean um i feel like it closes over a lot of functionality and state within these objects and then i have to like be like oh what's this thing what's this thing and like i just feel like i'm probably just not smart enough for OO code. that's kind of my my general takeaway from doing this for 10 years
1: (laughs) yeah so larry on back to badges real quick so that's totally permissionless to be able to create a badge right so anybody can mint a badge set is that right
3: yeah, it's totally permissionless. So, so the, the way it works is that, um, so, so currently, if you have a collection of NFT, it's a separate contract. So, like, right. bad kids NFT, that's a contract. Sure. Uh, Stargate's punks, that's a, that's a contract. Yep. So, the way badges works is there's just one NFT contract for, for all the collections. So, if, if I create a badge that is called batch number one, that is a sub collection of the NFT contract and someone else can come and permissionlessly create their own batch yeah. and that would be batch number two. And they will live in the same NFT contract, but they will have different metadata and different, uh, rule sets of uh, this rule set includes whether the NFT is transferable. Um, what are the rules by which the, the NFT can be minted? Okay. we right? so have different mint rules for different use cases.
1: Okay. So, so I'm not creating a collection of badges. I'm creating a badge, right? And then as an owner, do I have the ability to distribute those like, or is it, or is it more contract based where you can make it like more smart contract based based on certain criteria or how does, how do those things get distributed or, or, you know, how does somebody pick up a badge or how do I give somebody a badge?
3: So you are, if you are a creator, Mm -hmm. um, what what you need to have is you have, you need to prepare the metadata, including the name, description, image, URL, Etc. cetera. Yeah. Uh, and you upload those things on chain. You need to define that, uh, a few things such as whether this, NFT, this badge is transferable, whether it has a max supply, whether it can, whether there is a deadline for, for minting. Okay. So this kind of data. And the most important thing is you need to define a rule on how this badge can be minted. So there are three options currently implemented. One is called an airdrop. That's the easiest. So if you already have collected a list of addresses of recipients who, whom you want to mint this badge to, you can just tell the contract these are 500 people, just mint 500 yep. badge to, to them. So that's an airdrop. Okay. The second way is called using a single use, uh, a multiple use key. So, So you will generate a private key off chain, and you will upload the pub uh, the the corresponding public key on chain. Okay. So the contract will have that public key, and then you can distribute that that private key off chain. To, for example, you're hosting an event. Yeah. You can print that print out that uh, private key as a QR code, and everybody can just scan and with that private key they can go ahead and mint a badge. Okay. So I think that's pre- pretty suitable for off-chain events, right? So Yeah, that's have awesome. A check-in, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the third approach is similar but uh a batch can have multiple private keys, each can only be used once. So this is actually what we plan to do at Cosmoverse. So when you're checking in at Cosmoverse, mm-hmm. um you will be given a little piece of paper with a QR code on it and you can just scan it and uh mint your exclusive Cosmoverse batch.
1: That's awesome. And where can I view those? Is that only on the Stargaze app or where, where will that end up or will that show up maybe in Kepler at some point? Or what do you think that's going to work? Where, where should I be able to view those?
3: So they will be minted to your Stargaze address. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how well. So, so Stargaze team is working on integrating it in the, in their marketplace. Okay. I'm not sure how soon they will finish it. Yeah. I haven't worked with Kepler yet, so they have to put in some work to support it. So, Right. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe you will be able to see it in in Stargate's marketplace. Depending on how fast they they get it done.
1: That's cool. I like. I I, I mean it's NFT ish, but I like the distribution, especially options two and three there, where that's, you know, kind of taking the wallet aspect of it and being able to distribute the private key as a QR and those types of things. That's pretty awesome.
3: Yeah that, that 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 idea actually came from uh, Dave from Osmosis. So. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really nice. Like that's that's something where to be able to have an event or maybe like we drop one in here or something else for some episode drop or something else or mm-hmm. I want to And then is there any there's no, so since it's permissionless any image can I can I burn a, a badge that's been assigned to me? So if somebody creates a giant douche badge and then drops it to my address and they go to the stargaze page and it's a bad i can i burn my own yes okay
0: <laughs> all right let's check yes, it, <laughs> it yep. okay good that's why Noel's so quiet that's what he's doing right <laughs> he's now going, he's checking right now
2: it's actually really hard for me to um participate in this conversation because i've got a bad connection to larry so whenever he's talking a lot of the time i can't hear what he's saying so i'm just sitting here with no fucking idea what's going on <laughs> and i was actually just fixing a secret um, no, as well. <laughs> to be honest, to be <laughs> honest, I, to be honest exactly. I'm doing
1: the same thing except I'm, I have perfect video and audio, so that's really cool. Uh, yeah. So, I'm, so I'm that, actually
2: gonna uh, like just turn my camera off and so yeah, might you are be all actually. looking at my ass. And I'm just gonna uh, see if I can mend the internet. I'll be that,
1: back. That's cool. So, Larry, that's that's currently that Stargaze proposals 52 and 53 that end tomorrow um, mm-hmm. around midnight Eastern or a little bit before that, I think. So those look like they're right now. They both met quorum and they're both very positive. I assume did the and did you? I saw that you also posted some ways for people to inspect the contracts and other types of things if they wanted to, which is really cool.
3: Yeah, I mean the contract has been open source since yep. last Cosmoverse, right? <laughs> right? So anybody can look at it.
0: That's awesome. Nice. I feel like uh, I feel like I might have even seen that some previous previous point, it's hard to say. Uh there was definitely a point when, especially around last Cosmoverse, when there were still so few Cosmwasm developers, maybe outside Terror at least, that it's like, have I seen that repo before? Pretty sure I've seen that repo before. Um so uh one of the other questions I had uh Larry was like I you posted some interest oh, this was actually one of the things that I was most interested maybe in getting you on uh, to talk about originally when we first when I first was like you want to come on the show um was you posted some stuff about how essentially your thesis on what the dividing line is between like decentralized applications that are built on Cosmos and and like app chains and like what the sliding scale is between those right because you're you're yeah it's fair to say is it that you're relatively involved with osmosis in that you know you've got a validator there you believe in the project um that sort of thing And yet sort of like, you know, uh, Mars is going to be its own chain, right? But there's going to be like outposts on other chains. Is that, have I got that correct?
3: Yeah, so Mars will be, will have a chain, but the actual lending protocol is not on that chain. The actual lending protocol will be deployed as outposts which are wasm smart contracts on each
0: chain. So is this some of the, cause you, again, I've seen you posting on Twitter, some information about like experimenting with ICA and that sort of stuff. Is that underpinning that functionality? Right.
3: Uh, right. So governance will be on the app chain, uh, but the lending market will be on osmosis, et cetera. So there has to be a way for the gov- governance module on the app chain to control the outpost contracts. So that is what that I IC- ICA thing is about. Right.
0: So is there an interaction between? Um, so the but the native the governance module is just using the app chains native tokens for for staking yes. and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So what's the what's the imagined utility of the tokens on the app chain, or is it just simply that they're They need to be used because on the other chains it's that ibc denom that will be used to do operations
3: so you're asking about the mars token
0: or yeah so like if you so i guess i'm asking like you know if you have a standalone app chain but a lot of your functionality is actually taking place on other chains like what does that mean for the utility of the underlying token and like what what are people are going to use it for and How does that interaction like work? What, what kind of mechanisms are happening? I'm just kind of like, I guess, you know, both technically, architecturally and economically, it's quite, it's quite an interesting use case given how early we are in like ICA and all that sort of stuff. So I'm kind of interested how that kind of all thrashes out.
3: Yeah. So I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say at this point. Um, but a lot of things will be unveiled at Cosmoverse.
0: So, damn sorry so, so you know, we're basically like a week too yeah. early to get all the gcd well yeah, all, but, all the interesting I can, details
3: I can talk a few things about how it worked on terra classic and that that can like maybe can give you some expectations of what you can see sure <laughs> right so, so on terra classic um we didn't have an app chain obviously we have everything implemented as smart contracts on terra classic we have our token as a cw20 we have our Governance as a contract as well. So, so this is how the the token worked on TerraPlastic. So, our idea is that you can stake your Mars token, and that will grant you a share of the protocol revenue, right? But, uh, and and governance power in in the protocol. But I think, but we believe that token holders should have more skin in the game. they, 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 could, they shouldn't be just like buy a bunch of token in the market. They stake it and make a really bad governance proposal, screw up the whole thing and, and just, just leave, right? We, we cannot let that happen. So in, in, in order for the token holders to have more skin in the game and incentivize them to make more responsible governance decisions, the idea is all this, all staked Mars tokens. In case there is a so-called shortfall event, uh, meaning the protocol became becomes insolvent, there are more more debt than than assets. Um, there's a shortfall. In other words, the a portion of the staked Mars token can be auctioned off. In that case, to cover the shortfall. So if the if the token holders vote to to list a very um, risky asset, like this list the stable coin and the stablecoin DPEX, for example, and we, we lose a, we lose a bunch of money, the protocol doesn't have enough assets to cover all the obli- all the all the debts obligations it owes to the users. Um these Mars token stakers will lose a portion of their assets to cover the shortfall and they they will take the hit. So we believe this will incentivize these Mars token holders to be more responsible in s- making these governance decisions. That's so really interesting. This is it's the really idea for Terra Classic. Um, mm-hmm. We still really like the idea. So there are a lot of complications applying this to an app chain model. For example, now if you if if Mars token is the proof of stake staking token, you can't just auction it off because that will risk your chain's security, So it it has to work a different way, but, but it's the, the idea, it doesn't change that token holders should have a more, have more skin in the game, um, so that they, they they're more responsible
0: than in, in governance. So what motivated the decision to move from sort of like decentralized application running on one chain to being. Uh, like an app chain plus outpost model, because um, it's quite a big architectural change as well. Just you know, from the from the difference between those two things, right?
3: Right. So, so we we all have IBC, but but the truth is, composing smart contracts on different chains is still quite challenging, especially when it comes. To time-sensitive tasks such as liquidations. So, if you have some portion of your protocol on one chain, some portions of your protocol on a different chain, and, and you need to liquidate some users on one chain, and that involves multiple rounds of cross-chain communications. That's that's uh, that's very complex. And if if if, if if let's say IBC channels gets congested, that could lead to massive loss in, in value, right? So so we believe at this at this stage, a, a lending protocol is still better to be deployed locally on each chain where where it is used. So if there are borrowing demands on osmosis, we will deploy our contracts there. If there are borrowing demands on Juno, we we may consider deploying one there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So this is in contrary to what UMI does, where they have one app chain where the lending market is, and everybody who wants to borrow needs to IBC their assets to UMI chain, borrow there, and IBC their borrowed assets out, right? So these are two contrary models. So I think at least in the short term, I think our protocol will be more composable and we'll see more usage, we think. In the long term, it's hard to say. It really depends on how IBC evolves, but probably the, the difference will be smaller. But let's see.
0: So the the app chain is more is I forgive me if I've misunderstood, but it's more of a kind of uh things are locally where they should be in terms of like whatever assets are being deployed, but then the app chain itself is there for operations that aren't time sensitive or anything that you want to route specifically through that chain, presumably. Uh, I can think of use cases for that, but I don't know if that's the reason.
3: Right. So the, the app chain in summary, it will be, it will be the governance hub that controls like parameters of each outpost. Uh, stakers will collect protocol revenue on the, on, the, on the app chain. Um, in the future, we may think of something similar to what we did on Terra Classic, that kind of tokenomics.
0: But the majority we of the functionality is actually happening elsewhere, right?
3: Right. So w- there are some possible use cases for uh, other use cases for the app chain, such as what I'm thinking right now is something like the cron Job Scheduler. So if you want something to be automatically executed once every hour, that can be scheduled on, on the app chain using the begin and blocker feature. And it can use some interchain account or some other mechanisms to execute those tasks. Um, that's one one thing the the hub can put in. Uh, we call it the hub, the Mars hub, something that the hub can potentially do. Um, I'm also pretty ambitious that in that I think Mars Hub can be an interchain security hub. So maybe we can take some job from Cosmos Hub. <laughs> so is it's it, just, just
0: a- is me. it, for, is the kind of substrate of that chain, is it, is it based on, um you know, just like a, a WASMD implementation or is it based on sort of osmosis? Is because osmosis is WASMD. Um, the way they have it configured and stuff is quite different from how Juno uses WASMD, which is closer to a reference implementation. Um, And then obviously there's T-Grade, which is a chain that uses T-WASM, which is a a, a third version of of WASMD with additional functionality, let's say. So um, out of those sort of three implementations or some other one, like which one is Mars closer to? I mean, if that's a thing that you could even talk about, I don't know.
3: <laughs> I think it's closer to, to Juno, except for its permission.
0: Uh, right. So it's similar so to Stargaze we, and we, Juno then.
3: Yeah. We customized very little things. Uh, we customized the governance module. We have a different, uh, logic for tallying governance votes. Uh, but other than that most of the things are just vanilla default wasn't these stuff
0: right okay so uh and again i guess out of curiosity you presumably did some of the, the go work around the sdk yourself right as part of that team um yeah what did you uh do you prefer working on smart contract stuff or do you prefer working on like the sdk stuff
3: well I, I, I like both. Well, <laughs> uh, I think they, they're different. I think I, I, I find fun in different kinds of fun in, in, in both of them. So when, when working with Go SDK code, you have access to much lower level stuff. Um, And with that, you can achieve a lot of stuff that aren't easily achievable with Wasm, and that's pretty exciting to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, but then you could, I guess there is an option to potentially look into like T Wasm type stuff, because then you can, you know, use smart contract type bindings in, you know, begin and end blockers and that kind of stuff, which I guess, I suppose it depends again, how deep you need to go, right? (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So, yeah. So for
3: for us in the future, as mentioned, we we probably have to, we we probably are going to do some pretty in depth modification to the staking and governance modules to implement our tokenomic stuff. So that will have to be done in Go, right? If you want custom staking, custom governance.
0: Sure. Um, So, in, yeah on the on the validator side of things like you're you're only validating uh, Osmo and Stargaze right at the moment. Do you now have any other? Uh, do you have any other projects that you're looking at validating?
3: Yeah, so quite a few few ones. Uh, I'm a big fan of Say. I, I don't know if I'm going to validate it because their validator has very high requirements on hardware specs and latency, connectivity. My validator is just a home computer right there. I'm not sure (laughs) if it it will satisfy the requirements. So I don't know, maybe I'll give it a try, but if I'm missing 30% of the blocks, I I will probably give the spot to someone else.
1: Um, Yeah. Say say requirements are a bit of a, we've talked about a little bit before. There's a short block times there and they're and even right now, there's not a ton of transactions. So we'll see how that does after the transaction load goes up and, and whatever else. But yeah, we, we miss a decent amount too. I think we're just looking like we missed 40 a day or something like that, which is, which is ridiculous. That's,
3: that's really nice. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's actually pretty, it's decent on, on the same network, but it's, um, like we have some dedicated hardware to it that we would not do anywhere else, but it's even on a mm-hmm. test net, but yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm big fan of Celestia. Yeah. Um, I think Penumbra and Noma are quite interesting as well.
0: Um, yeah, Penumbra is very, very yeah. cool. Not sure, not sure, like, how yeah don't know about the, the number is very very cool but i don't know we're well, number one like we obviously haven't been super involved in test nets so i don't know if we would be eligible to validate if we jumped into the stage anyway but also it's one of those where it feels like maybe you're painting a bit of a target on your back by validating it do you know what i mean it's like a, you know it's like a privacy protocol to begin with so you're sort of like well uh if you want to if you want to if you want a peaceful life this might not be the one to validate <laughs>
3: Well, I, I'm not living in the U.S., so that that's a great thing. <laughs> I know. I'm, 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 I mean, I, yep. I know other like America, um, America-based validators. They seems to be much more nervous about regulation-related stuff than I do. So.
0: It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's still very boys be boys here, but that will that will change at some point, I suppose. Um, so, out of curiosity, like you, because obviously you've said that you're obviously working uh, in the Terra space last Cosmoverse, which was like a year ago. But like, how long have you been working in crypto? And like, what was your what was your in?
3: Yeah, so I'm relatively new here. Um, I, I think I, I bought my first Bitcoin in April 2020. So that was right after the March crash. So I, I bought ETH at about $200. <laughs> so that was a really good deal. But I was that was pure luck. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a March crash. I did not even know we, we were in the <laughs> bottom. I didn't even know. I just...
0: Just, mm-hmm. just bought some and it panned out. Okay.
3: I didn't, didn't think about it. So, so I, I came from a science background. Uh, I spent nine years trying to get a biochem, Well, four years in undergrad, five years in grad school, trying to get a PhD in biochem and get a developer job in the big pharma, at Pfizer, Merck, those companies. Um, it went nowhere. Like research, not not giving results. Um, like job perspective job perspective was really bad. Doesn't look like everyone find a job. And there's the immigration issue. So, like uh, America's immigration policies is not very favorable. Sometimes you, it takes. Up to a decade for you to get a permanent residency, and you just have to continuously renew your one-year visas through all those years. And there's no certainty in your life. Like you can't buy yep. real estate because you, you buy you buy a house, and they cancel your visa. And you're screwed. So, so that, 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 that that's kind of the low point of my life, where I wasted almost a decade in science research, not going anywhere. I'm not going to get a job. Like, even if I get a job, I have up to a decade of uncertainty mm-hmm. in life. So, right. Um, yeah. So I just decided I want. At a point, I'm just going to quit. Um, mm-hmm. The crypto at, bo- at the bottom is doing pretty well. I'm just going to full-time crypto.
0: Nice. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Nice. Yeah, so, so you're you're potentially the biggest E-Gen here, then? <laughs> just aped into it big yeah. time. I mean, yep.
2: you wouldn't be the first time that someone has wasted a decade. I've definitely wasted a decade. I can tell you surfers wasted a decade <laughs> <laughs> just by, just just by looking at you. Um,
0: we've, we've we've already talked about your crocodile Dundee past. Now everybody knows about that. The phrase
2: "wasted a decade watching shit movies."
0: <laughs> <laughs> only watching good movies mate only watching the best <laughs>
2: um so uh larry i might have actually missed earlier on so i'm getting much better connectivity now by the way i can hear everything you're saying and your videos not dropping out at all um but i was curious uh like where do you hail what's your what's your country that you live in if that's not uh too doxing well, fine.
3: I'm, I'm i'm originally from china yep. But um, in
2: Portugal. Oh, you're in Portugal? All right, that's cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think, uh, well, that's actually not too bad a place to be in terms of being able to, you know, interact with the, the crypto community, particularly yeah. it's not so far away when you want to uh, fly anywhere. Um, certainly it's a problem for us when, well, it's a problem for me if I want to go to any of the DGEN gatherings I have to uh
0: well, everywhere's a problem for you mate yeah you're I know. In well, thanks
2: yeah I, re- I realize i'm on a fucking I mean, like, island Columbia's
0: pretty well columbia is pretty close to you in the grander scheme of things but you know you're not going there
2: no well i mean it's a long way away in a plane still but um i want to actually try and get to this
0: south korea was maybe like hack atom was in south korea that's that's about as close as it's going to get to australia isn't it
2: yeah that's pretty that's not too bad in asia um but it was like bad timing. Um, but uh, I'm I'm trying to do some forward planning, and uh, wouldn't mind getting to uh, East Denver. should be Should be good if we can get there. It's like not massively yeah. Cosmos related, but still should be a pretty good um, gathering there.
0: Close enough, but not Cosmos related at all. In other words.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it might be something that um, the Evmos people would be at. So. At least,
0: uh, yeah, I guess that's possible. Still be some mm-hmm. of us
2: attending, but anyway, i will just get me over there and I'll be able to come visit people. I'll just like rock up at um, usurper's house.
1: Yeah, we're only six hours away from there.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it's only the other <laughs> side of the country. It's that's
2: fine. that's literally like I do that drive on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> just to go to my mailbox. <laughs> just-
0: <laughs> man england is so small by comparison i literally I have I have, to, I have to get a train at the weekend and there's still everything is still fucked because everything <laughs> is breaking down here at the moment like there aren't enough train drivers there's barely enough bin men like it's really 1970s shit right here right now and uh i'm now basically i'm going to be i need to get this train from this place to this place and it's quite it's quite a long trip and i was like fuck if that train gets cancelled i'm fucked and I was like, hang on, no way. England's really small. I was like, how how far actually is it? Like, if that train gets cancelled, I get totally fucked. I need to be in this place on Monday, right? The train is on Sunday afternoon. I was like, it's actually only 180 kilometers. And then you're like, that's okay, that is long to ride on a bike. That is eight hours of non-stop not impossible. cycling. Yeah, not impossible. Right. But I know I can I, I know I've done that before. So I'm like, it would be annoying to have to cycle that with my laptop and all my shit to basically go to work on Monday. <laughs> I would not, um, anybody who saw me on Monday, I would not be a fucking happy bunny. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I will get there. So, yeah. So, from it just put a perspective, you're like, basically, how the fuck do you get in England? If you've got a pedal bicycle with you, you could probably get to your destination if you're bloody minded enough. From- Even France is way too big for that.
2: From my house, England's just tiny. From my house to my partner's house is a 12 hour drive.
0: Jesus, that's <laughs> from that's from the north of England to the south of France. That's how far that will get you in Europe. That is crazy.
2: I do that it's drive for crazy. a long weekend. Like it's, uh, I mean, the difference for is shit. well, it, it probably. I mean, it's a similar. It's probably a similar cost now to flying too, because flying. I just flew here yesterday um, from a place on the coast, and it was a thousand bucks return, and. Wow. To drive. So it's about two thousand Ks return. So I don't know, you probably it's probably, a
1: thousand one way?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's about holy shit. It's probably a bit more than a thousand one way. But it's wow. it's um so that would be about I don't know, six or seven hundred bucks in fuel anyway at the moment. So Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's a big country, man. It takes a long time to get from A to B. But I'm quite used to just jumping in the car and driving like five or six hours, though, if I want to go somewhere.
1: Yeah, we do that. I mean, we do that too. I mean, six hours from here. I mean, we're in you know New York or you know down Tennessee or something else. Like, there's there's a lot within six hours here. But I think there's a lot to do also less than six hours away. Which I think that's the difference here, right? <laughs> like, well, I guess like what are, you star- what are you staring at for six hours?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, I guess the difference is that I'd do that for a weekend. You probably wouldn't just drive six hours yeah. for a weekend, right? Yeah like
1: that's
0: probably fair yeah yeah so yes we're now just talking about null's commute to work. <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> uh yeah yep. so, we certainly are my bad so I, I want to bring it back to some of the questions we have for larry that's a good idea <laughs> get us gets back on on topic but so like larry the other thing that i was kind of interested in in sort of having you on the show to talk about is that you're uh you've come over from the Terra ecosystem i guess you know when that all all collapsed and so you you kind of have like I, I guess you've had enough time to land in cosmos now that maybe maybe now you maybe the time to ask you this would have been like a couple of months ago when you were like whoa okay this is really different um but like what's your perception on like um the things that cosmos does well and badly and like there must be some like things that you see, you know, based on some of the stuff that was really, really well worked out in Terra. Let's say um, there must be some stuff that you look at in Cosmos and you are like, "That's just like a huge that's that's just like absolute low hanging fruit. That's an opportunity that just nobody's taken and kind of stuff."
3: Yeah, like one thing I keep wondering is what what took so long for Cosmos to to make their own stable coin. Well there still isn't well we have USK from Kojira,
2: mm-hmm.
3: but other than that, there's like, n- no stable coin
0: in Cosmos. Yeah,
2: there's like no so, there's no backed stable coin. No he's getting ready,
0: he's like he's like stable coin, stable <laughs> coin. <laughs> Sorry, still oh, stable well. coins.
2: <laughs> no, I mean yeah yeah, I mean, the fact that there's one that's not properly backed that's not a bridged coin is really, really annoying. But yeah, continue.
3: Yeah, that's definitely a low hanging fruit. Um, so I think one thing Terra did really well is they have these, what I would call first party protocols where the, the developer of the chain Terraform Labs, they would sponsor, well, they would lead developing a number of protocols. Like they have, they had Anchor, they had Mirror, they had, uh, Nebula protocol, which, which didn't manage Managed to launch in time on Terra Classic. They have Ozone, which was supposed to be an insurance protocol. So you you, you may say some of these are Ponzies, Well, some of definitely do have Ponzi elements in them. But uh, they w- they did indeed have very good user experience. And uh,
2: that's how you get the most out of your Ponzi-nomics.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I think Terraform Labs definitely did a did a good job like leading these protocols to like bootstrap bootstrap their ecosystem. So
2: there were look, just like a yeah. lot of projects in Terra that were even just had seed funding from Terraform Labs too, right?
3: Uh, I'm not aware of that to be Quite honest.
2: Uh, so, um, well, I've, I've talked to a, a few none people, of sorry, I, I've talked to a few people that said that they were, you uh, know, they basically had like seed funding out of some fund in, in um, Terra and then hired these enormous teams of people. <laughs>
3: well, I, I definitely don't remember any of the projects I'm involved with received TFL money. Like, at least I personally don't know.
2: But were there other, um, you know, organizations in Terra that were doing funding? Maybe it was some other organization in there. Because um, Terraforms wasn't the only one with a big cache of, like, Luna, right?
3: Yeah. So, like, I guess what I meant to say is that, let's say, just say Juno, right? Um, I feel Juno doesn't have a... An entity like TFL to, to lead develop DeFi protocols on top of it. Like we have DAO that's pretty cool.
2: Um, yeah, but I know what you mean. There's, there's no, um, there's no cashed up wallet that's like going out looking for specifically like leading development out of that organization. (laughs) They sort of are funding a lot of development, but not really, um, like actually leading it with with devs and, and uh, cr- creating the direction that they're they're going with certain dapps or anything like there's nothing like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think just just funding is not enough to attract developers. Like, developers nowadays can like many different chains have fundings, right? You can you can. You can get funding on Avalanche. You can get funding on Polygon. You can get funding on Near. So Juno is not particularly attractive just by funding. So what Terra had was, you know, Anchor had 20% yield, which, which in retrospect, definitely is not sustainable <laughs> and borderline. Comes from that. But, but, but that 20% yield is an excellent DeFi building block. And a lot of things that are simply not possible on other chains are possible on Terra, given that yield. I think that that is a much, much bigger incentive for developers to build on Terra than a foundation gives out some funding,
2: right? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, but at the same time, it was a Ponzi. <laughs>
3: Yeah. <laughs> um.
2: So the the funny thing about that is is like at the time, like we we retrospectively look back at that and get oh geez that was a Ponzi, but um, like at the time, I I knew it was sus right, but I still used it. I just used it sparingly, just to park stuff right. and then clear it off. But like, did, what was like what was the feeling of everyone else? I know I asked a couple of times around our groups. But, you know, it'd be like, doesn't UST seem a bit sus? And then everyone would be like, yeah, I suppose, you know, probably is a bit sus with that kind of return on a stable coin. And then everyone's like, anchor, <laughs> just just go there anyway. So, like- so how, how did you feel about it? Like when it was like, did you ever go there and deposit money and go, it doesn't quite seem like this might be the safest thing so- to do?
3: Everybody knew that the 20% yield wasn't real. Everybody knew that it's not generated from real organic borrowing demand. And that Terraform Labs was burning money in that so-called yield reserve to to sustain 20% yield. But the argument at that point was that for a new tech startup... At that point of development, it's normal for a tech startup to burn money. Right? Like Amazon, at its comparable stage, was also burning money. And I would say probably Microsoft, Apple, Google—they were all burning money
2: at that I point. Don't, I don't think they're like, uh, to be honest, completely comparable because when you look at like, you know, tech startups that lose money, they're yeah. They're losing money to uh, create a user base on like a, mostly it's like a freemium type um, tier system where they start off free and then they start bringing in premium features and then, you know, it becomes sort of part paid, part free and and supported by advertising, right? I I don't think that's like completely comparable to what um, Terra was doing because when you look at Terra, uh, that was their core product um, was something that loses money. And there was no way to, to turn that around to something that doesn't lose money unless they hit a critical mass of users in the borrowing department, which to be able to give a 20% return would mean that people borrowing the money would have to be putting in more than 20%. And I don't think that was going to be feasible in the long term anyway. Why would anyone go into the... Well,
3: I, I criticise that. I, I I remember I... Wrote a tweet, tweet thread on that as well, so it was it wasn't it wasn't a secret, but at the at at the time, the expectation was that the protocol design will adjust in the future to to make to be to become sustainable, and at that point, the money burning to to keep this thing twenty percent was. A short-term measure to, 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 to to get a bigger user base and achieve network effect. Right? Um, and actually before the, before the, the DPAC, work had already been done on improving Anchor. Um, there was a, there was a governance proposal on, on Anchor regarding a so-called, um, not the exact terminology, but the idea is there should be a free-floating interest rate instead yeah, of yeah. It was
2: like the save save anchor proposal. I saw it come through.
3: Yeah. So so the idea is like every there every every month or so, uh, the interest rate will be adjusted based on the supply and demand at the time. Yeah.
2: So someone so, did a massive write up on it. I read some of it because I was yeah. kind of. I didn't even really understand the voodoo behind anchor at the time so I was like trying to find information on it and that's when I saw that um come up and there was a lot of thought put into that but it never really got action to they right they did reduce the the return at some point from the anchor but um yeah
3: yeah so so the return was already lower than 20 percent at the time so and, and, and it was supposed to keep going down
2: so yeah yeah so but at the same time like, all of the reserves that were feeding that were all from gains in Luna, right? Um, so, yeah, it, w- it was easy to see that once the um, the price of Luna started to turn back after the hype train finished, it was always doomed. But it's easy to say that in in hindsight. Um,
3: yeah. Well, in hindsight, basically everything that could do could go wrong went wrong. And everything that TFL could do wrong, they, they did it wrong. Like,
2: <laughs> Pick all the wrong like, things you know, and then do them.
3: Macro, macro was the worst, as, as bad as can be. Macro condition was as bad as can be.
2: Um, the comms was as bad as could be.
3: Like, like yeah, macro was terrible at the time. Um, Anchor's product... Uh, Protocol design was not, not, not also like we we were saying that if anchor had a withdrawal lockup period that like maybe have a seven day lockup period, nobody would be able to dump all at once. Then or you could at least see the the cliff coming anyway. The bar and mint can, could have been able to absorb the selling pressure if the selling pressure, like comes up gradually over some some weeks in, instead of all at once, Luna probably could have absorbed that uh, selling pressure and keep UST on no,
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. So like, Luna, example, Luna was already on a slide. It, it might not have been, like, completely obvious, but it, it had been drifting down trending for, like, weeks before it actually fell over. Yeah.
3: So another thing people said was, uh, LFG at the time was selling all the assets they can to, to buy UST to keep it on pack. What if they had taken a different strategy? What if they don't throw away all their assets at once, but just allow UST to be packed for some time, let the market to calm down and then buy back later, will that work?
2: I I think they did that to a degree because there were some pretty um, like obvious lines in the sand where they were defending price points. But from what it looked like on the charts, when when they were going down, like they'd try to defend, for example, sixty cents, and then it got broken after a while, and then they'd go back and defend like thirty cents or whatever. It it did look like they were doing some defending on at certain price points, but I think at the end of the day, there's just that much pressure on the price that it was just too hard to, to hold.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the general idea is that there are a lot of what ifs. What if Anchor didn't have 20%, what if it was like 4%, <laughs> right? What what if Anchor had a withdrawal lock cut period? What, what if TFL took a different strategy at the time? So there were a lot of what ifs. Um, if some of these what ifs were, were the case, uh, it might not have collapsed
2: so. well it might not have collapsed so spectacularly
3: <laughs> right so yeah so my, my, my sentiment is that Terra is not a scam it, it was a legitimate project its economic model could have worked if some of the things were done right but it wasn't done right, and it was it was done wrong at possibly the worst time given the global macro. And this collapse is a It sets back stablecoin many years, and it brought a lot of regulatory pressure for all stablecoin developers. So, so it's uh, yeah.
0: In, in my jurisdiction stable coins are literally the only thing that's regulated uh or that were going to be regulated and that just made it like the legal advice was like don't fucking touch anything that looks like a stable coin <laughs> and you're like cool Got it. noted will not be touching anything that looks like a stable coin it, thank you very much in
2: what way do you mean like touch it as in use it or as a developer oh okay as a developer
0: right, right. yeah build one uh or but pet- Potentially even a validator, but again the it's so early that the, the rules around that are not clear, but uh, in, in the UK, anything that's basically if you end up in like a regulated area, at the very least you usually have to register as like an entity carrying out interest in a regulated area. So basically, if anything goes wrong, they can come knock on your door um, and then it goes from there depending on what you're doing. like obviously you want to start a bank you know that's like peak regulation because you can issue credit and stuff and that's like a really big deal um and then it kind of goes down from like oh i just want to have a cash card to you know i just want to do some financial tech stuff to i want to do crypto shit nobody cares <laughs> somewhere in the completely unregulated bit down there um but yeah stable coins are going to be like at some i i would be very surprised if it doesn't pick up pretty soon actually because yeah. all about consumer risk here mm-hmm. yeah that's and like, that's
2: the biggest thing is consumer risk
0: yeah 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 exactly and that that i think the funny thing about terror in that regard is it i think like put stable coins big on the agenda here um with and they already kind of were uh, like the regulators were aware of them blah 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 but I think it also maybe made everything else seem so risky that it actually took the edge off of regulation in a weird way. I, um, I feel
2: like a lot of people didn't know that UST was like an algo stable, you know, regular users. Yeah. Um, like Titan was in recent memory as well. Like it was not that long ago. And then, for UST to fall over as well. Like, are there any other algo stables left?
0: Like Dai? There's some coming, aren't there? Yeah, well. Yeah, I guess Dai, well, like, isn't USK algo? Mm-hmm. It is, isn't it? Yeah.
2: So they, you know, I've seen talk about over-collateralized, um, you know, coins as as stables, but, I mean, that only works until the underlying asset is so battered that it doesn't work anymore and that will happen at some point so yeah i i don't know how they can work
0: (laughs) pretty hard to say anyway um that's we we obviously we started a little late but uh larry thanks very much for for joining us uh sorry about the little bit of confusion there at the start um, it was great to have you on and, and talk about quite a wide range of things in the end. And, uh, maybe we'll have you back on at some point when you've recovered from this ordeal, um, you're, uh, for, uh are you going to be in, uh, somebody, somebody was asking in the comments who, who is going to be in Colombia. Are you going to be at Cosmoverse or are you keeping it in yeah, sunny I Lisbon? Be,
3: I will be at Cosmoverse and actually I haven't finished the badges front end web app yet. So I guess Just I have to get, <laughs> get it down. So yeah, so, i will be pretty occupied.
0: If you go to Cosmoverse and you don't manage to get your hands on a badge, then you can, you now know what Larry looks like. So you can come find him and complain about when badge, because I'm sure Larry will really, really like you doing that. Uh, <laughs> um, Right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks very much, Larry. Uh, and we'll catch you soon. So,
2: All right. So Honestly, so, I, I have no idea what the fuck Larry was talking about. Most of that So <laughs> I, I was getting like such <laughs> piecemeal dude. parts of the conversation. I was like, I don't know what's no. going
0: on. Well, that's, oh, cause you, your internet. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of part of your internet and part perhaps not understanding the ins and outs of the, the epic holy war between functional programmers and object-oriented <laughs> programmers, which um, isn't so JavaScript yeah, like, OOP,
2: right? Uh, uh,
0: JavaScript is a prototypically inherited uh, object-oriented language with first-class functions. So it actually, has it has some elements of a functional programming paradigm in it, and its object model is really unusual. So um, hang on. Proto inheritance. Did it,
2: did anyone tell Larry that we just boot them off after an hour and see you later?
0: No. Uh, no. Well that well that's why I didn't just that's why I didn't just rug. I, I said yeah. thanks for, for being on the show and then we'll see you later.
2: He's kinda of hanging out and down then, here though. That's the way to do it.
0: That's okay. <laughs> it's
2: like <laughs> that's okay. why why, why don't they drop we're me still connected. So yeah, A- FYI, okay. Larry, this uh, is the you, ain't, is. you ain't you <laughs> ain't coming back, but <laughs>
0: this is what the pre-show is for (laughs) which we did not do yes um so right uh yeah i think kuremund in the in the chat sorry if i've pronounced your name wrong said uh he's planning on yelling when badge whenever he sees larry perfect (laughs) (laughs) which i assume means he's going to be at cosmoverse um so before like I feel like Null now, now he's these he's thought about stable coins again, wants to get back into it. Oh man, but, I'm so but,
2: massively <laughs> fucking tied, it's like really hard to think about it.
0: But but we we've got to talk about Wake and Fright. I know that Usurper <laughs> hasn't finished it yet. <laughs> I have not finished it. I'm at the film, I'm at the good part though. Club, yeah. Film Club homework was yes. the absolutely insane Australian cult film Wake and Fright. You can you if you want to spoiler you can sound the horn and you guys can I'm talk not, about it. That's totally fine. I'm not going to spoiler, but you've, you've seen up to the kangaroo hunt, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so those of you who are watching along, you're like, what is he talking about? Kangaroo hunt. So I've been told, like I haven't, so with the caveat, I've not fact checked this. So this could be incorrect. The, at the, at the end of the film, there is a big disclaimer about this kangaroo hunt being a licensed event because apparently it's a big deal. Can't just go shoot kangaroos.
2: It was the seventies, man. It was-
0: Maybe you can just shoot kangaroos in the seventies, but there is a disclaimer, right? So we, but so apparently- we have
2: tags, right? So over here, if you want to go shoot kangaroos, sure, you have to tag them afterwards, up. right? So you get, you can farmers can get certain amount of tags for like, because for most property owners, um, kangaroos are actually pests, right? Because they destroy all the yeah, fences, right and things. there's fucking tons of them, and so they'll just go there's around, and as they see them, they'll just shoot them and put a tag on their tail, right? So that's that's how it works. So,
0: yeah. Okay. So what I'd heard anyway is that the, the they they were like, right, well, we want to do this like license hunt, have it all above board, and insofar no cruelty to animals, maybe it doesn't look that way on film. Um, and what happened was the people who were doing the hunt had a few beers, a few Castle main four axes, probably a There's lot of beers. Man. The
2: funny thing, I didn't recognize yeah. any of those fucking beers in that movie, man. They're all done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, they and, and they kept referring to a specific brand of beer as well. Oh yeah, it's, it's just, just everyone was pumping
2: that one beer, and I'm like, what the yeah, fuck that is same, this?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. A little amber lager like, or whatever. It, yeah. it looks refreshing.
1: And they had it, they had it coming out of a hose. It was literally like a hose. They were just hang, like that, at the bar where it was like coming out of a hose, where they like a, they just put it right in the glass. They were, it was like no, no tap. It was just like
0: somebody just got a hose, just
1: yeah, uh, just cracking hose.
0: on. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, so you know, um, you know how in Belgium, like there's a, a, a kind of old fashioned type of beer that people are into where it's like a spontaneous ferment, um, it's very acquired taste. But how that used to work was they would literally have a barrel on the bar, yeah, and then it would just be like, you want some, bam, there you go, there's the house brew. I think that's pretty fucking cool, actually. You just dip your head in or what? You actually, yeah, you just put your head straight uh, in the top. Just, just dump like it right a white in. Dog. It's like that Simpsons joke, you know, with the uh, – is the red tick beer where the, there's like the duff brow and then there's the red tick and then there's just dogs swimming around oh, in the yeah. red tick. and then <laughs> yeah, It needs yeah. more tick. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind uh, of a, So I thought old.
2: one thing that was striking about that um, Wake and fright movie is I just haven't – come across any movies from the 70s that are like so um, seemingly progressive in style, I guess, of that show than, than like the similar like other offerings in that time period, you know, it was like a very different uh, format and storyline than most things that you would pick up anything from the else? 70s. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen anything from the it's- 70s that was in that style.
0: It's apparently a classic of Australian cinema as a result. Like it it's like if you go if you go look at look up its like Rotten Tomatoes review, despite it being a weird, difficult, it's and really high scarring right? film, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's got like it's 85% like, of Rotten Tomatoes. Like yeah. it has got there's all this stuff about it being like the beginning of the Australian new wave of cinema and stuff. Like presumably whoever saw it was, was as freaked out and as like whoa about it. I mean it's it's one of those films, you know, when you're like it's impossible not to have a reaction of some kind, and this film will stay with you. You know, The the, that's the how I feel about that film. For better the, or
1: worse, of the fifty-nine critic reviews on the Tomato Meter, ninety-seven percent positive from critics and eighty-three percent from the audience. Which is ninety-seven percent has to be
0: up there. Like, there's not much that has that that level. That's high, you know. It's ridiculously high, yeah. But I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, I've had a fucking nightmare about that film. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> the,
2: the funny thing is, like, the, the the part that you're, you know, the parts of that that you're thinking are, like, probably, you know, really uh, theatrical yep. is probably, like, back then if you were a country boy out, like, you know, west in Queensland or New South Wales, like, on a property or a station – it's not that hard to think that some shit like that might have gone down on a regular basis. Like, I, Even when I was that, a lad, like, I can remember getting hammered drunk and shooting kangaroos when I was a kid. So,
1: Yeah, um, and that whole heads and tails game. <laughs> that whole heads and tails game, I was like, this is some high level of competition. Oh, here. Yeah. But I could totally see that happening,
0: right? That, yeah. That, yeah, that had to be almost... I wouldn't even be surprised if that was actually a game real. that was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they literally went... We're going to film, lads. Yeah. Oh, the,
2: there is, so that, there that's is called one scene. That. That's called Two Up, that game, right? <laughs> and we <laughs> still play go. that here on Anzac Day at <laughs> RSLs only. It's it's You're not allowed to play at any other time except for Anzac Day at RSLs clubs.
1: Is that, you know, what do you mean? There's like two up police that patrol the neighborhoods looking for people playing two up? What do you mean you can't play the other well, You could just do it at home.
2: Yeah, well, you could do it at home, but at a licensed establishment, it's illegal to play any other time except for Anzac day, which is like a um, Memorial day for the wars. No shit. Yeah. So there's,
1: there are, were, there, were there licensed two up locations? There must've been.
2: I, I presume back in the day they used to just play yeah. that shit everywhere. And then that's crazy. You know, they probably went well, i don't know if is there's a
0: picture of dogs playing poker on your wall right now yeah there is
2: that's a classic <laughs> that's a classic <laughs> uh,
0: what, uh I, I, photo. I had i had, a, I had I'm, a I'm, I'm aware it's like a classic thing but i i just never looked at that <laughs> that wall before <laughs> i was like how i, I missed that this entire time like t- yeah. what 29th episode 29th yeah. episode i didn't even see that you've got the dogs playing poker i think it's i'm going to change it to dogs playing two up
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought it was actually just a legit photograph of Jabby's place on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs>
0: that's, that's, how, that's what they're doing at the weekend for, yeah. for fun. So, um, so yeah, the, the, uh, somebody also told me that, I don't know which one of the bar scenes, but one of the bar scenes, they, it is just filmed in a place, mm-hmm. and they just said, for the next half an hour, we're just going to pay the bar tab, lads, and it's filmed in like a mining town. And they just went. uh, Just don't look at the actors. No, don't look at the camera. Don't look at the camera. But you can look. You can do whatever you want. And just and yeah. And so uh, yeah, it was on like a bank holiday or something like that. I don't know, like the exact specifics. But
2: seems pretty legit. uh, But that's
0: why it makes me think that maybe the two up game was also just happening. (laughs) Like like oh yeah, let's film this. I imagine (laughs) there would have
2: been like a lot of takes, maybe with people like looking at the camera going. Or just people yeah. randomly walk in and be like, what
1: the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Donald Pleasance is such a good actor, too. That guy that guy totally stands out in this movie. That's the kind of crazy old guy who you know walks around with his shirt off all the time and all that. I don't know if everybody knows who he is, but oh, the, he was in The Great Escape. The one with the door. He was in The Great Escape. Uh, no, the other crazy old guy. Um, <laughs> oh, the one in the, <laughs> they're all, the, one they're in all. the shack? Yeah, the one in the shack. he's like use the bathroom outside. Then the guy goes out and takes a piss. He's a there and watches him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. he's in the in the Great Escape, and he was in one of the Bond movies, right? We were talking about before. Yeah, Doctor No, yeah, or...
0: Blofeld in, in Bond. Yeah, yeah, I forget
1: what movie that was. Now I can't somebody, somebody answer it. Um, but he's he's just a great actor. Totally makes that movie.
2: To anyone who yeah. hasn't seen fright Fright, just go and watch it. It's yeah. fucking out there. Yeah. What are we
0: doing for <laughs> now? Na- what is <laughs> one of the films of all time? Um, I, I also I watched feel like Idiot Box we need some homework well. for next <laughs> week.
2: Um, I'm not sure who mentioned that last week, but I went and watched Idiot Box. I'm sure someone mentioned it.
0: Another I'm Australian
2: sure. film. From judging by the quality, maybe the early 90s or something. The they all 80s. kind of look
1: the same. It's like, uh, all the all Australian films I know have a slightly fucked up storyline, which is good. That's a good thing. There, are, everybody's sweating. Cause it's always hot. Like everybody's <laughs> like sweating. Shit. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's sweating the whole time, and there's a slight yellow tint on all the film. That's what it is. That's it. Kind of looks like that's my
2: Australian. It's got that Australian bullet. tint. I mean, there's a slight yellow tint on my camera here. So yeah, see. I don't know. Maybe it's no joke. Just the hue of the wallpaper we like to use shines on us in a yellow light.
1: <laughs> it's just the sun's a little bit different, or something.
2: Yeah, but that was uh like that's that's got some actors that are still active, so it's like it can't be that old. Idiot box Yeah.
0: Nineteen ninety six by the look of it. Ninety
2: six, yeah. Still still a good
0: film. One. So uh we've we've got a we've got we're gonna have to self rug at some point soon because we've got uh we've got a hard stop, haven't we? But uh there's been there's been a fair bit of just on I am i not aware of like there's obviously been like uh Sift Chain Stop. Yeah. Uh, EVMOS took a while to get rolling on uh, after its upgrade, but it's back up now, right? Yeah, so That's the, weird the thing, yeah. EVMOS
2: upgrade, there was a lot of people who were having a long time to upgrade, right? Um, some were there early and signed the block, but then there was a fucking bug after it. Um, so in the with the the new binary, you can't have any pruning now. Um, otherwise, it has like a pruning error. Um, that Usually we used to get that same pruning area Uh, error when you were trying to do snapshots um and your your um, pruning schedule didn't agree with your snapshots you used to get the same error but now you just get that error for any pruning Um, weirdly it came up on different blocks on different nodes of mine so you know some made it a fair way along and others didn't um so it was a problem for me because it was in the middle of the fucking night that upgrade and then so i saw everything was fine and went to bed and i woke up to like you know People yelling at us on Twitter or whatever, but um,
1: <laughs> as usual,
2: yeah. So we fixed. It. it wasn't a problem to fix it up. We just had to find out, you know, what the fix was. Uh, what but, the hell's going on? Yeah. So yeah. it was like you know a bit bit chaotic before this stream, just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And um, yeah, so I think you're in the same boat, right, usurper? You you were like thought it was okay, and then your node started to drop off with this panic.
1: Yeah, it it looked like it was doing all the right things. It was dialing and it was kind of waiting for consensus and it was doing fine. And then um, I already had all my pager duty stuff turned off because I know it's in a shit state. And then I guess it started moving, but I was not signing because of this. uh, The node was still running, so I didn't have a process error. It just wasn't following the chain. Like it just threw that weird error. Yeah, that
2: panic. Well, mine kept restarting.
1: Oh, it did. Mine wasn't. It was just running. Like it was dialing fine. Everything fine. I just had, had to go back and query the logs to see where the panic was. It was like, 30 minutes before i saw it so um but anyway whatever
2: so i i didn't have like actually now that i think about it i don't think i had um like warnings about my daemon not running or restarting i think it might have been yeah that it, it was just stalled um yeah and but i like it was yeah i don't know man because i was reading I errors like earlier on and it was It seemed like it was like running and then stalling and then, I don't know, I just figured that people were having trouble getting consensus because of startup, the startup errors that have been. But it's been, man, it's it's been a fucking rough like day because there was Evmos, there was Say, which was a bungled upgrade because of um, a tagging issue. And then, fuck, there was another one yesterday as well, which I think also got fucked up. So...
1: Yeah. Oh, I know people struggle with secret.
2: Yeah. Right? So it's secret. secret, I had a problem with as well. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember what yeah. the problem was now. I think I just state synced both my nodes and they were off and running again. But there was some. So problem maybe there. next week.
1: So maybe next Wednesday, we just need a bitch about stuff episode.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was traveling yesterday with all these fucking upgrades and I was like having to pull over the side of the road and like do stuff. I was. Have, have you ever tried that? Um, have an SSH uh, session on airplane Wi-Fi? It's not great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I have pushed code during the first Juno crash from under the under the uh, the channel, which is the, the in the channel. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. right. From the from the te- from the tethered Wi-Fi that you get on the Eurostar when you are under the the under the sea. Like a Bond Um, villain, like Blofeld yourself.